The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Mind Body Pause with Charlie Kale. Holistic living for you and your animals. You found your happy place to nurture your connection to animals with enlightening information from the innovators who make their world a better place. This is Mind Body Pause on Empower Radio. Now, here's your host, fellow animal lover, Charlie Kale. Hello and welcome to Mind Body Pause, holistic living for you and your animals. Thank you for being here. This is show number 17, Inspiring Animal Advocacy in Young Adults with Christopher Locke. I'm Charlie Kale, mom to two dogs and three cats, broadcaster and Reiki practitioner in San Francisco at Energy Healing for People and Pause. I do distant healings, I do in-person appointments, animals and people because energy transcends space and time. And there's more of all of that at charliekale.com. C-H-A-R-L-Y-K-A-Y-L-E.com. This is your safe place to honor animals, where we'll nurture our connection to them mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and in literary form, where my guest writes about animal characters with endearing personalities and compassionate hearts who take on the atrocities promulgated by humans. Christopher Locke worked in the television industry for over a decade before pursuing his passion project, The Enlightenment Adventures, a young adult book series that combines thrilling entertainment and education to inspire the next generation of animal advocates. The first book, Persimmon Takes on Humanity, debuted to rave reviews in 2015, and the highly anticipated second book, Vincent and the Dissidents, came out in April of 2018. He's a vegan and avid animal activist speaking at animal rights events around the country. When he's not volunteering for charity organizations, he's spending time with his brilliant wife and fellow animal advocate, two delightful dogs, and a mischievous cat. Welcome, Christopher Locke. Hello, hello. Thank you. So clearly you are a compassionate individual who is heartbroken by the atrocities of how various industries treat animals. Instead of hiding from that pain, you dove right in by creating the Enlightenment Adventures series. What is the Enlightenment Adventures series? Well, thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I've been an animal activist for a long time, and uh, the Enlightenment Adventures is basically a story about a group of animals led by Persimmon, who's a raccoon, and they find out how animals are being mistreated by other humans. So they go to a fur farm, they go to a circus, places like that, and they decide, wow, we need to save these animals from humans. And it's uh, meant to be an adventure, uh, but then also hopefully entertain people and educate them about all the different animal issues as they read it. I love Persimmon. She's a raccoon. She starts out all sweet and innocent and gigantic heart. And she continues on 
learning and not so innocent, but still sweet with a gigantic heart. <laughs> um, book number one, Persimmon Takes on Humanity, teases, what would you do if you saw someone committing unimaginable acts of cruelty? Turn the other way or defend those in need, no matter the cost. And I was reading something that mentioned this was kind of a cross between Hunger Games and Charlotte's Web with the conscience of the jungle I think it's a little Harry Potter thrown in, too, because these are big, long, thick books. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. So it wasn't until I had the first book printed out that I put it on my shelf and was like, oh, that one's a little bigger than Lord of the Rings. OK. <laughs> um, and, you know, you just never know. I think for me, it was a matter of I had this big epic story and it was actually meant to be one book. And my brilliant wife, uh, as I was writing it, was the one who said, you should split this up because this is getting long. So then uh, that's why it's a trilogy. But then that's kind of why the first book was a little longer, because it was I kept writing and was like, man, this story just keeps you know getting more epic as I keep going. Um, so I'm glad I did split it up into three books because it makes it more fun for me to keep coming back and visit these characters who now have become my friends. Oh, absolutely. So in book one, Persimmon Takes on Humanity, you reveal the horrors of the veal industry. That's where it starts. Mm -hmm. Then the fur trade, circuses. In book two, Vincent, who's a mink, Vincent and the dissidents. What do you take on? So in the second book, yeah, Vincent's the he was in that fur farm that Persimmon and her team went to rescue. So in the second book, uh, he has his own team going around rescuing animals, just like Persimmon has her team. And so both of them end up going to one place's uh, dog fighting ring uh, oh. to try to uh, rescue those poor dogs, the pit bulls. And then the other thing is chickens who are raised for food. Uh, they try mm. to go in and rescue all. And uh, for me, each book, it's important that uh, there are so many different issues where animals are uh, you know, exploited and abused by humans. And I wanted to pick the ones that were like really some of the biggest and especially chickens that are eaten by humans. Um, I mean, the the numbers like hundreds of millions of chickens are killed and it just i don't think people understand how many chickens are killed each year uh for people to eat i mean just on super bowl sunday recently i think i saw a statistic it was like i don't know like a hundred few hundred million just on that day because of all the chicken wings that people eat on super bowl see here's the thing it's the way they are it's the way they are treated the the inhumanity i mean it's one thing I'm not saying eat an animal. I know you're vegan and I'm not mm -hmm. saying eat an animal for food, but if you are going to honor the animal, uh, show gratitude and appreciate for the life that they are giving up and treat that animal humanely for what they're giving you. It's the way those, those farming practices are done. And um, with the chickens, they are cruel with so many of them. They are horribly cruel to the animal before the animal even gives its life and has to live in, in pure hell. Yeah. I, one of the things I think about is with people, when you eat, it's maybe 15 minutes or so of eating and uh, you then created a lifetime of misery for that animal. And it's really sad that they spent, um, you know, and you know, what's interesting. A lot of the animals that people eat, they're babies because yes. they um, genetically modify them so that they grow hum humongous. I mean, chickens in the, you know, natural born, you know, chickens in the wild would never be as giant as the ones that people end up eating, but they've changed their body shape so that they'll grow more muscle so that people can eat them. But, uh, and this is what I dive into in the second book. I mean, they end up being so 
big that the chickens can't walk. They can't right. move by the end of the time, you know, like six weeks in when they're about to be killed. Um, they can't physically move their bodies. It's, right. Their legs insane. cannot support their bodies. It is tragic. And, and it's just so cruel and so unnecessary. It's all out of greed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the more if you look at some of the ways they've changed animals' bodies, uh, it's all just to make more eggs, to make more meat. You know, it's like people they don't realize um, it's all about maximizing profit, you know, smaller mm-hmm. cages, small. You know, they keep putting them in smaller and smaller confinement because they realize, oh, if we can put, I don't know, let's say like 12 chickens in this cage versus two, we can make more money. And you're like, what, but do you realize what you just said? You're going to put 12 chickens in one tiny cage? To go? It's just it's insane. Right. So when you take these organizations and industries on, have you ever been threatened by any of them? <laughs> You know, it's funny when I first, no, I haven't, but Good. I almost, I, yeah, I haven't. I mean, you know, I thought when I first wrote the books, you know, I was like, man, I could start getting hate mail and all that. But um, I mean, you know, what's amazing is that the animal advocacy movement and veganism, it, it's only growing. It's only getting bigger and bigger every year. And I know that the these organizations are, of course, fighting back. And I mean, you know, you look at certain products that they don't want to call like almond milk like the dairy industry is like, no, you can't call that milk. Um, so them and they're losing though. They're losing those battles because yeah, of course you can call almond milk and rice milk. You can call it milk, but um, they're trying to de- redefine what these things are because they're scared because they know that they're a dying industry. The dairy industry is dying. They know it, and a lot of our taxpayers actually go to pay off the dairy industry and the different industries because nobody's buying those products anymore. Not barely anybody's buying those products anymore. And so our tax dollars are going to keep those industries going uh, as they stand right now. Wow. We're talking with Christopher Locke, author of the Enlightenment Adventures series available on Amazon and also at ChristopherLocke.com. And that's Locke spelled L-O-C-K-E. So how were you able to steel yourself inside to be able to dive into the horrific details and uh, I mean, and not, you know, tears streaming down your face the whole time? Yeah, you know, that's interesting you asked that. So when I did write the books, I actually, as a writer, I feel it's my obligation to be as close to the character's emotional state as possible. So when I would write, I would think about, I would get videos and I would get these pictures of these animals, let's say like in a fur farm. And oh. as I wrote, I would sometimes have the video or the, um, the picture on the screen. And so then I was able to always remember, these are the animals I'm writing for. You know, this story is meant to open people's eyes to what's really happening. And I always wanted to write it from the animals as much as I could from the animal's perspective. And I did cry when I wrote it sometimes. And but to me, it was it would be a disservice to the animals if I didn't get myself into that state. Um, But, you know, I I definitely also did my best to make sure that the stories were exciting. And there are some scenes of animal abuse, but there's also, you know, really like three chapters or four chapters worth each time they go to these animals, um, like in the fur farm, the circus, of the t- persimmon and her team trying to rescue the animals. So there is a, hopefully a balance for a reader to see the abuse, but then also to live the excitement of, oh, now we're going to go in and rescue the animals. 
And you do put levity in there so you can catch your breath, dry the tears after you've gone through 10 tissues, you know, clear your nose out so it doesn't get too stuffed up <laughs> and say, uh, yeah. okay, okay, I can, I can, I can do this. I can read some more. And then I say to myself, <laughs> you know, here I am having such a hard time reading about it. The animal is living it. Okay, then I can do this. Yeah. Well, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, I definitely, I have had a few people, you know, said that the books made them cry so much that they, you know, couldn't get through it. And, you know, I would say to them, thank you for being so compassionate, you know, thank you for caring so much. And if, if the book, if you made it to page 40 or 50 or whatever it is, and you decided to be more compassionate and you didn't, you don't need to read the rest. I'm, I'm good with that. Um, But of course I do want it to be entertaining. And I would say, uh, you know, every page hopefully is written to be uh, entertaining. And, you know, I, I promise it's nothing you haven't seen in any you know movie that you've seen. You know, it's not anything more than what you've seen on any average. I don't even dramas on TV now have, you know, a scene of violence every now and then. You know, I, it's easier to take when you're expecting it in something on television about people. Mm-hmm than Mm. it is about innocent animals i and i am not i'm not trying to be not compassionate toward people because i dearly am but wow it's just it's like so many times you know the people knew what they were getting into and you're telling the screen hey don't walk in there (laughs) you know what do you think you know better don't believe that guy hello whereas the animals had no choice and were so innocent and were either born into it or captured in the wild and didn't have a choice uh so i think possibly that's what makes it so much harder to take yeah yeah and i'll say you know what's nice is that I think there are so many people out there who are closer to being uh, vegan than they even know because deep down they have a really good heart and when they see an animal suffering, they don't want to to see that. And so I think it's just that extra little like nudge that they need to make them go, oh right, when I'm eating this animal, I'm the one who is part of that process of abuse. And that's hopefully what the book's did was it's reminding people that, oh, I'm part of this. Like I, the, these animals can't die painlessly. You know, it's like, it's always going to be horrible for them. And it's just reminding them of that. But I do think people are genuinely good. And if they knew more, I think they'd be more open to not wanting to harm the animals. I think a lot of it is about that we just don't know everything that goes on, hence your title, Enlightenment. We mm-hmm. are being enlightened. So what made you to, to tackle the hardcore brutality and rather than do expose articles or something like that, put it in a teen literature format? Yes. Yeah. So I've been a writer since I was a kid and I've been more interested in storytelling than I have in like nonfiction. And there are also a lot of great nonfiction books on these issues, but there really aren't very many stories that hit on the animal issues uh, that are fiction. And I always love when I watch something that has a message, but then it's like an entertaining story. So for me, it was never a question. I just right from the get go, I was always like, I'm going to write something that's going to be epic and exciting, uh, but that's going to definitely be fiction, but based on reality. So I for each 
thing that you learn in the book and each thing that happens, I did like tons of research to make sure it's accurate. Um, but then at the end of the day, you know, un- unfortunately, there is no team uh, led by a raccoon named Persimmon that's out there <laughs> rescuing the animals. So that part of it is the fiction part. Uh, although if I met like if, uh, I would give anything to meet, I would like I've written this character now two books full. I would wish I could meet Persimmon. Like it would, it would be just to give her a hug, just to thank her, you know, be like, thank you for saving us. That's all I wanted to say. You know? um, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely um, for me, it was a, an opportunity to also use my, um, you know, passion for storytelling uh, to get the animal rights message across. And you do. And it's such a brilliant way to do it because for those who don't want to just dive into a hardcore you know, book or article about it where it's just the facts it, it it's enjoyable as well as very enlightening and something else that's very interesting too you even tackle the subject of the division of activism mm. because you can have all different kinds of activists out there i personally support a more peaceful approach mm-hmm. where you educate and enlighten but there are factions out there who some are into the violent approach and say, you know, use violence at all costs. That's not my thing. But there are those who feel they are perfectly right in that. Then there are those who have a happy medium in between. And you cover you cover that and and you're not uh, shy about it with them. You show that how you can be on the same side of something and still not like each other. Right. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. That was something from the beginning. I wanted to not just to explore what it's like to uh, go out and save animals, but there are so many different ways you can do it. And as animal activists, uh, and this is any social justice issue, people have very different methods. And I didn't want to say whether or not one was better than the other. Uh, For me, it was a matter of exploring the different sides and to show the positive and negative of both. So for me, persimmon represents, like you, um, peace, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, meet humans, somehow get them to care about animals and be compassionate, um, but also at the same time being compassionate for humans and understanding they're not going to change immediately. And then Vincent, the mink, he's the one who says humans are evil. They've been murdering other animals for thousands of years. It's not going to change. We just need to get rid of humans. And of course, Persimmon is very unhappy about that and and doesn't want that to happen. And that's explored more in the the second book, which things kind of come to a head um, between the two of them. Um, So that was fun for me as a writer and someone who's been an animal advocate for like a decade. uh, I've experienced firsthand dealing, you know, with people that have different methods than me and uh, trying to understand where they're coming from and also sometimes getting frustrated with thinking sometimes like i feel like you're hurting our cause not helping us so you know it's just you 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 want everyone to work together but it's it's impossible when you get a group of humans in the room you're going to get people that are going to be disagreeing about stuff most definitely because i don't agree that all publicity is good publicity no matter what it is (laughs) Mm -hmm. right and it also it's just it shows how people are It's the same way in the rescue world, which I've been in for a long time, animal rescue world and shelter world. You can have 
you know, 100 people on one side all agreeing that these animals need to be rescued and put in a shelter. But then they start disagreeing about the terms and mm. and who stays and who goes and, and how they're saved and how they're promoted and who they're given to. And, you, you know, you can, I can go into 10 different uh, avenues on this very quickly. And there's so much disagreement that they start fighting amongst each other and then they separate off into different shelter groups. Yeah. And I for the books, what I wanted to do, too, was I wanted this to also be a good experience for people who are activists because I wanted them to see, oh, wow, well, that's what I've been going through and hopefully feel reaffirmed in some ways. And then maybe also question, you know, okay, are the tactics I'm using the best? You know, it's so it was it was hopefully a mirror for people as well. And uh, it and, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's, there's so many different ways. It wasn't just meant to be entertaining. And um, I've gotten really great responses too. you know, it, it means the world to me. Anytime I receive an email from someone that says the you know, now I'm vegan or the book changed my life. I mean, that's why you create art. You know, you want to touch people. Correct. And you were channeling animals while you were doing it. This is Christopher Locke, author of the Enlightenment Adventures series, available on Amazon and at ChristopherLocke.com. Locke, again, is L-O-C-K-E, Christopher Locke. What's coming up for book number three? I'm working on it right now, and um, it's been exciting. The only thing that's holding me up is it's the last one. And so I'm a little overwhelmed in the sense that, like, I got to make sure that it lives up to what I feel the standards are of the first two. And I want it to be talking about Epic. I mean, by this book, things have gotten really out of hand and uh, there are different ways that they're dealing with humans. I mean, Vincent's not a big fan of humans, so uh, he's kind of starting problems with the humans. And so Persimmon's not only having to rescue other animals, uh, but she's then trying to uh, stop Vincent from, you know, harming humans. So since she's in some ways trying to now also save humans. So uh, it's it's coming along, but I. I'm not I don't want it to be released until I'm like, yep, this is the best way I could possibly end this story. Does it really have to be the last book? Oh, it's been already five years of my life. So even though I love writing the books, there's a little part of me that's like, I can't wait for it to be also over in the sense that it all feels so accomplished uh, to see those three books together and to go, wow, okay, you know, that by that point, it'll probably be like eight years of my life and I'll feel like I really spent it wisely. Um, but, you know, I'd love to also work on some other stories. And I mean, I'd love to also do like a comedy, you know, just straight up funny. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the stories can be a little serious at times. Um, and uh, I'd love to I kind of want to also see how it ends. Like I'm writing it, but I, I also am really excited to see how it unfolds, because I'm sure, you know, when you're creating art, sometimes you don't necessarily, you know, as you're creating it, you're like, wow, I wonder where this is going to lead me. So I'm actually really interested to kind of bring it to a close to see where Persimmon and, and the whole team end up. And I know I'm not telling you anything that you haven't already thought of, but here's what I see. I see the three books <laughs> on the shelf. <laughs> I'm a little bit psychic too, okay? So <laughs> I see these three amazing books on the shelf that do uh, create a difference in the world. They, You truly, Christopher Locke, will have and are making and will have made a difference in the world. But I see another trilogy starting because you can't turn your brain off or your heart or your gut. And Persimmon 
makes guest appearances <laughs> in this new oh. series, this new trilogy, which one of the more minor characters out of book three ends up telling his or her story. And some of the characters from this series pop in to set the stage and get book one going for the new series. Whoa. All right. Well, that now, okay, you revealed it. That's the story. Uh, so, yeah. You know, I so do you, have a mini adventure. I have like a story that is actually based on one of the characters. It's not meant to be a really, it's like more of like a novella. But uh-huh. I thought there was one character in the first book who didn't have their story fully told and I just didn't have time. So I do have that in the wings, but uh, um, I'm waiting. I have to finish the third book before I start exploring other mini adventures because there are no rules they're just your rules and you you, the limitations you put on it and on yourself but i think you know the three book the trilogy like that is a great goal but you can certainly expand from that with more but what would really be the best possible scenario Mm -hmm. there that there would be no more cruelty to write about that you know what's interesting? The first book they do go to a circus and they oh. rescue elephants and they they or they try to rescue elephants. Well, guess what? In the time frame that I was writing the book and the book came out, Ringling Brothers, the like biggest uh, circus in the world, they ended up stopping their business. So right. some of it, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this book would be historical fiction at some point. Um, <laughs> it's not yeah. yet. Not yeah, yet. Well, there are still not. lots of small groups that take animal, animal, uh, elephants around and are, are really horrible and cruel to them. And it makes it look sweet and funny. And, oh, goody, let me give my child an elephant ride. But those elephants are abused. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really well, I'm not sad. telling you anything you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, I've seen so much footage. Uh, it just it, it just breaks your heart. But um, there are but, aspects that, yeah, slowly but surely are um, people we're making a change. And that is a huge change. And, and yes, I, and I don't want to gloss over that. That's excellent that that has that people have pressed for that. And San Francisco was one of the first cities to outlaw any um, circus that has elephants in it and coming into town. Like Cirque du Soleil is welcome here because it's humans. Yes. Oh, you, uh, you please. Everyone go to every Cirque du Soleil show they want with humans. They're amazing. I've been. Um, and but all along, it's like, why do we need to exploit animals to be entertaining? Like humans are incredible athletes. So right. they just let them do what humans do. But, you know, the elephant would much rather be out in the African bush. Uh, a tiger would rather not jump through a hoop of fire. Oh. I mean, we don't these animals don't naturally want to do these things. So why just leave them alone? Let just let them be. Exactly. Christopher, we've just got one minute left. So what is one thing you would like to impress upon everyone? Well, uh, mostly just if you have, uh, you know, the inclination to want to help animals, you know, you you don't have to start big. Just start small. You know, just you can just stop eating uh, a certain type of animal and then you'll realize that, oh, wow, I don't need to eat chicken. I also don't need to eat beef, you know, so just start anywhere you can. And I promise that you'll feel better immediately and it'll make it easier for you to continue on that path. So don't get overwhelmed. There are a lot of vegan and vegetarian cookbooks out there. I promise it's absolutely doable. Uh, I I'm vegan. I've been vegan for uh, like almost a decade and I'm very healthy. Um, I haven't died from protein deficiency. So I promise, you know, it's very possible for everyone to to do it. 
Thank you, Christopher Locke, author of the Enlightenment Adventures series. Book one is Persimmon Takes on Humanity. Book two, Vincent and the Dissidents, available on Amazon and at ChristopherLocke.com. That's Christopher, L-O-C-K-E.com. And thank you so much for hanging out with me on Mind Body Pause, holistic living for you and your animals. I'm Charlie Kale. Check out my Reiki business, Energy Healing for People and Pause, for healing sessions in person, on Skype, or over the phone for people or animals at charliekale.com, C-H-A-R-L-Y-K-A-Y-L-E.com. You can find all my past shows on there, and they're also on my page at Empower Radio, and you can find all the guest contacts there as well, and then please connect with me on social media as well as with my guests. Special thanks to Brent Carey, the CEO of Empower Radio, and to Remy Smith at the controls at the studio in Detroit, who both respect and revere all life. Take care and remember, no matter what is going on with your animals, don't beat yourself up thinking you could have done better because you're doing the best you can. They know it. They chose you anyway, and they love you for it. Mind Body Pause is a guilt-free, cruelty-free zone. See you next time. What is it you really want in life, no matter what you've been through? you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.